Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, rolling along. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Outstanding conversation earlier with Eddie Johnson. Longtime former son, does the Sirius XM basketball shows now and covers the Suns. He was with me earlier on the Goodyear hotline. Congratulations, Chris Paul and the Suns on their way to the NBA Finals. First time for Chris Paul in his career, they'll take on either Milwaukee or Atlanta. A lot of conversation about that. A lot of conversation about the Yankees and the sticky stuff debate between Giolito and Donaldson last night. So we've got a lot on the hopper here. And I just noticed some interesting quotes from Reggie Bush about this name, image, and likeness that I want to get to as well. So all that and more. But Hembo, it was actually your idea that I should tell a story. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. Tell me a story. So 93 is the last time the Phoenix Suns were in the finals. And as I've probably told you more times than you would care to hear, I was there for all of that. 93, if you were to ask me what was my favorite year of my career, I would say 1993, mm. all things considered. 93 was an unbelievable year. Um, I was covering sports in Chicago. I covered the Bulls all the way to that championship, which they won in Phoenix, which I think their playoff run that year was the most dramatic thing I've ever seen. Their series against the Knicks in the conference finals was among the most dramatic. It, it, it Certainly of things that I've been there for up close and personal, it was the greatest drama I've ever seen. And then I wound up covering a White Sox team that won a division and went into the playoffs as well with a lot of stars on that team like Frank Thomas and Robin Ventura and Bo Jackson and a lot of other people. But... But anyway, my my recollection of 93, so that was an incredible postseason run for Jordan and the Bulls. Their series against the Knicks is the stuff of legend. They were losing two games to none. Um, They lost the first two in New York. Game two was the John Starks dunk, which is still very famous, certainly among Knicks fans. During that was when Michael Jordan was seen in Atlantic City late at night and the legendary columnist Dave Anderson in the New York Times wrote a column excoriating Jordan for being out gambling during um, the series, in which I, suggesting he should have been home getting his sleep. Michael Jordan stopped speaking to the media for the entirety of the rest of that postseason, which was very much unlike him and crazy. That series then had the Charles Smith game, which is another Low light for Nick fans, and and then the Bulls ultimately win, and they go on to play Phoenix. And Phoenix that year had Charles Barkley as the MVP of the league. They actually started that postseason in big trouble. They were losing two games to none. I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I remember this like it was yesterday. They were losing two games to none in the best of five, right out of the shoot, to a Byron Scott-led Lakers team. And then Barkley and the Suns worked their way back. They won that series, and they get all the way to the finals, and they have home court against the Bulls. The Bulls go in there and they beat them games one and two. So the Bulls have not only stolen home court advantage, but they've taken a stranglehold on that series. And and the 93 Bulls were really good. That was a really good team. And the series goes on. They come back to Chicago. The Phoenix wins game three, so it's 2-1. Game four was epic. Game four, I want to say, was the game Michael scored something like 56 points. 55 points. 55 points. And the Bulls win. So now they got a 3-1 lead, and it was 2-3-2. So they're going to play game five at home. Now, the year before, the Bulls had clinched the championship at home in 92 against Portland. And the city had had massive issues. Like, I remember I covered that game. I did my work for about 90 minutes in the old Chicago Stadium. And I walked out to get to my car, and there were cars on fire. I mean, the city had, like, they had major Riots might be too strong a word, but there was major unrest. There was huge violence and issues in the city. 
So in the days between games four and five of that series, like in the city of Chicago, like there were all these public service announcements. Don't tear up the city when they win tomorrow night. Whatever you do, don't set fires. All of this, you know, all this public service stuff. Don't tear up our city. Don't do crazy, terrible things when they win game five tomorrow night. So the Suns win game five. And I still remember Charles Barkley after the game chanting, we saved your city. We saved your city. You don't have to worry about, you know, you know, Charles, he was that way then as a player, as the MVP of the league. We saved your city. You don't have to burn the city down now because we won. You don't have to worry about it. And we all had to go back to Phoenix. And game six of that series was epic. I mean, unbelievable. That's Horace Grant kicking it out to John Paxson, who makes a shot to win it at the end. So the Bulls wound up winning all three games that were played in Phoenix in that final. So the Suns did not win a home finals game. In fact, how many times have the Suns been in the finals beyond that? I remember they played the Celtics one year in the 70s. That's it. Um, So I wonder how many home finals wins they have in their history. I don't remember that series very well. That was the series that had a a long, the Gar Hurd shot in it. But whatever, the point, I know I'm digressing a million times. That's my overriding memory of that series, of the last time the Suns were in the finals, was the city of Chicago was sort of bracing for a celebration that never happened. And Charles Barkley loved it. He loved it. Next time we have Charles on, let's ask him about that. I don't know. He probably doesn't remember that so fondly because they wound up losing in game six. Do you have it there? Did they win any one Yes, home they games? won game three and four against the Celtics in 76. Those games were at home. So they have two home playoff, two home finals wins. That's right. In their lives, we'll see. They will get to the finals next week, either against Milwaukee or against Atlanta. Greeny with you, brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union, proud to serve members of the Armed Forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. Our members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Meanwhile, I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. I'm so delighted with something that happened today. So Hembo comes back from his vacation. He's, no, no, you're going to like this. Hembo comes back from his vacation. Where were you again? Long Beach Island in New Jersey. Long Beach Island. And the first thing you try and do is take a little shot at me. I did. Right? You swam in the ocean. You didn't get eaten by a shark. I'm here, after all. Uh, So you're taking a little shot at at Greeny here. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. I had to get that off my chest. I I heard that. I heard Mm -hmm. that. And then you very sheepishly had to make an admission to me. So I would like you to, uh, to tell Nuno what it is you had to admit to me. I had to admit, Nuno, that I was wrong, and I have sinned. I, uh, last week or the week before, whatever it was, when Greeny was going on and on and on about how much he hates sand, I thought it was ridiculous. I've been to the beach many times, and this has never seemed to be a problem for me until this time. I have sand in my shoes right now. I was in the beach 24 hours ago. I'm wearing dress shoes this morning, and I have sand in my shoes from the beach somehow. It is all over our car. It is all over our house. And I, the whole way home... But was thinking to myself, am I going to be able to admit this on the radio tomorrow? And I guess the answer was yes. There is no more overrated thing in the world than sand. I hate <laughs> sand. I would go to the beach if it was if you could pave it. Like like I would go to a paved beach. Like if if the ocean sort of washed up onto a I don't know a parking lot or something like that, I'd be into it. But the sand is the worst. It gets all over you. It's not even when you leave. I don't like it when you're there. You're trying to put suntan lotion on, and it's becoming kind of scratchy mm. and awful. There's nothing worse. Then you leave. You got to stop at that little makeshift faux shower thing they have. That you you press a button and you get four seconds of cold <laughs> water to try and 
rinse off your disgusting feet while you're standing in other people's foot sand. There's nothing in the world more overrated, Nuno, than sand. Your thoughts? I think you're wrong. So let me ask you this, though. Uh, so have you seen that video that was posted about a a gentleman who was parasailing in the Red Sea and a Mako shark jumped out of the water water and bit him? Yes, Recently? I did. <laughs> so, I saw yes. someone got bitten by a shark. I think, was it in Hawaii? This was the Red Sea. That might have been the Red Sea. Yep, a gentleman okay. was parasailing and a shark jumped out of the water and attacked him. <laughs> I'm gonna right. So we had and we had a sharking in in uh, I think in Hawaii last week. Also, I saw it, and I'll tell you where we've never had that in a pool ever anywhere. Pool, no sand, no sharks. It's a winner. Big pool guy. Don't like the beach. So I looked this up, or actually I had Hembo look it up because I thought to myself, there has to be a reason we need sand. <laughs> it has to have ecological purpose. This is these are the notable ecological purposes of sand. Sediment storage and transport. Well, what is that? <laughs> we, we could live without that, right? Well, I don't even know what that means. Wave dissipation and associated buffering against extreme weather events. Now, that does seem important. Mildly. I, I feel like that's important. I think we need buffering against extreme weather events. Mm. I can't help but think we could create some other buffering. <laughs> that does feel like a pretty important one. Dynamic response to sea level rise. That seems made up. Breakdown of organic materials and pollutants. We could live without that. Water filtration, nutrient mineralization and recycling, plus nursery area for juvenile fish. Well, what does that mean? How many of those Nurs- do you think how many of those are vital? What juvenile fish have you ever seen in a nursing in the sand? What <laughs> fish are we talking about? So I'm telling you, I think we could do away obviously not with all sand, but a lot of it. Like, it seems to me most of those things are only ocean-based, mm-hmm. right? We right. don't need that next to Lake Michigan. Chicago, right now, get rid of the beach. Get rid of the sand. Get it out. Out. We got two beaches at Northwestern. We got all the beach. We don't need it. So, Greeny, what? what would you replace the sand and bunkers with? Anything. Have you been in a bunker lately? I, do you find that enjoyable? <laughs> no, You're I telling don't. me you couldn't live on a golf course without sand in the bunkers? We don't need <laughs> sand in the bunkers. The game is hard enough as it is. I want to do away with all of it. All of it. There's nothing worse than when the wind is blowing at you and you hit a ball out of a bunker and now the sand blows directly in your eyes, gets in your mouth, and you got that... And just one grain of sand in between your molars, it ruins the entire day. never goes away, and it stays in your shoes. Now you got to try and take your shoes off while you're walking up a I have some in my ear right now. It's the worst. So again, all of these... i got to find out what sediment storage and transport means. I mean, that sounds like something they made up. Wave dissipation and associated buffering against extreme weather events. Well, lakes don't have waves, right? <laughs> it seems to me we really only need the sand around ocean. But how worried are you about these juvenile fish? I, I, I'm not at all concerned about them because I think they're also made up. There's no nursery area for juvenile fish. What does that mean? It's a nursery? Is that where the parents leave them when they go off to work? In? I mean, what, what kind of nursery area do juvenile fish need? Have you ever seen Finding Nemo? I have seen Finding Nemo. It's a cartoon for crying. Well, it's, it's based a, it's, on a true. It's a <laughs> <laughs> and Nemo was a juvenile fish. Did you ever see him in the sand? I did not. No, correct. You know why? Nemo would be dead in the sand. It's not a nursery area suitable for Nemo. So I appreciate your admission of wrongness. Sand stinks. All right, next. One sport is a completely different place today than it was yesterday. Thoroughly different, and it will never go back. 
There are a lot of reasons to be happy and one for major concern. I will dive into that next. Screening on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Granny with you, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest on the Goodyear hotline, something we haven't gotten to, is probably in the big picture the most important thing, and that is that as of today, collegiate sports as we know them will never be the same. Literally never. Today, July 1st, is the day that name, image, and likeness become the three most important words in the sport. And collegiate athletes that you have heard from already are celebrating this and taking advantage of marketing opportunities. And so my first reaction to this is, quite simply, hallelujah. Now, for those of you who don't know what name, image, and likeness is, it means that collegiate athletes now are allowed to benefit from, to profit financially by using their name, their image, and their likeness. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, this does this just apply to the quarterback of the football team? Absolutely not. One of the best examples of why this is so overdue was offered to me when we were watching the um, the, the women's the college women's World Series the the the, mm. the softball World Series a couple about a month ago or so. That if you're a player on one of those teams, and you would like to make some money during the summer, giving private instruction, the big thing, as I think most people know now, is. Let's say you're, you know, you're the parents of a 11-year-old girl and she's showing some promise for this. You might try and hire some private instruction. So one of the stars on those teams could um, try and make some money as an instructor and could do so, but could not advertise the fact that she played on that team. So if you're on Stanford, you're not allowed to put something up on Facebook that says, I am a player at Stanford and I can come teach your daughter how to pitch or hit or whatever. They can do that now. This is not just about television commercials and opening up car dealerships. This is going to be opportunity for all of them. So again, I say hallelujah. The rules were draconian, unfair, and frankly, un-American. I've always thought playing, paying salaries to collegiate athletes was complicated. I believe it is and will be complicated to figure out a way to do that that is reasonable and fair to everyone. But this is easy. And I'll give you a quick analogy, not analogy, a quick example of just how crazy this is. So I got a call. This is probably, we were still doing Mike and Mike, so five, six years ago. And Northwestern had a player on the football team who was in the Medill School, the journalism school, which is my school. And that happens very seldom because the 
um, the necessities, whatever's the word I'm looking for. The, Rigors? The, the, no, yeah, well, yes, but like the classes you have to take in order to do that don't usually line up with that schedule. The football players have very rigid schedules. It's not easy for them to do that. And so, you know, some of the schools said, you know, this kid is interested in, and maybe could you, you know, talk to him on the mm. phone or whatever it is. I said, I'll do you one better. You fly him out here and he can shadow me for a day. That was my idea. I remember this. So the initial reaction was, we can't do it. We're not allowed to do it. They subsequently figured out they could do it because it could be, it was an academic opportunity. But when he, the thing that they beseech me, so obviously you know who Etchy is. Uh So uh, Etchy is a woman who has worked for me for 10 years. When she went and got breakfast, she could not get him anything. Mm -hmm. So like literally, I had to be incredibly careful to make sure everyone knew we did not buy him an omelet. (laughs) Under no, he was able to come and shadow me because that was an educational opportunity. Mm-hmm. But under no circumstances could I buy him an omelet. So now, my 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 joy in this is you can buy him an omelet. If you see a kid on the football team and you want to buy him an omelet, you can buy him an omelet. And and that strikes me as just the first right step. There's something intrinsically wrong with a system where a person like me cannot buy an omelet for a college kid. So. I, I, that, that is obviously one tiny little example, but it is one that jumped immediately to my mind. Paul Feinbaum, I think this was on, maybe this was on his show yesterday, or it was on KJZ this morning, he was on both, talking about it, said this. Today is the most significant day in the history of the NCAA, and that is not an understatement. Because of what is crumbling today, the, the model of the NCAA is, is coming down and you can never put it back up again. The fact that the, the NCAA is really worthless after today is also a very significant moment. So worthless is an interesting choice of words, but it, it certainly is a, a different world. And of course, a lot of attention will immediately go to Reggie Bush. He released this statement. Over the last few months on multiple occasions, my team and I have reached out to both the NCAA and the Heisman Trust in regards to the reinstatement of my college records and the return of my Heisman. We left multiple messages for the president of the Heisman Trust, but instead received a call from the executive director who stated that Mr. Comerford, who is the president, would not be calling us back and that in any event they could not help us. That's from the Heisman Trust. We reached out to the NCAA on multiple occasions and received no help or got no response at all. It is my strong belief that I won the Heisman Trophy solely due to my hard work and dedication on the football field, and it is also my firm belief that my records should be reinstated. So that's from Reggie Bush. So we'll see what everyone has to say about that. I I guess it it does seem like a reasonable question. Hembo, do you believe Reggie Bush should get his Heisman back? No, because he broke the rules, and those were the rules at the time. Whether or not you like them is is irrelevant. I suppose there are cases in our uh, criminal justice where we can retroactively go back and do those things. And look, what he did was, in retrospect, pretty harmless. So I do understand the argument in favor of it. But for me, I don't think it serves any purpose to, to reinstate his Heisman and I mean, everyone remembers that he won it. That's the thing. Like, it doesn't make any but sort of difference have to the fans. He doesn't have He, he doesn't it. have the object. Right. And he doesn't, he has, he lives with the, the scarlet letter of mm-hmm. being the guy whose Heisman got taken away. I have to believe that giving it back to him would be meaningful. It would be meaningful for him, I'm sure. But did he, did he not break a rule that was there at the time? He did. So are we going to, so where do we draw the line then? Are, are we going to just provide an exception for Reggie Bush and that's it? it th- those things can be slippery slopes. I'm willing to entertain the idea for, for certain, and this is probably an unpopular opinion, but it's not obvious to me that that's the, ne- that that's, that that's the next step here. We don't need to remedy the past by fixing it. What we need to do is ensure that these student athletes in the future 
don't have to face the same uh, barriers that he did. Mm, I, I agree with the second part. I'm not sure I agree with the first part. I think remedying some pieces of the past could potentially be in order here if you wanted to. Um, you could say, you know what? In retrospect, these rules made no sense. Mm-hmm. We've now changed them, and we are going to undo whatever it is that we did. Nuno, should Reggie Bush get his Heisman back? Yes, he should. Okay, so we got one vote for yes, he should. How about all the vacated games in the NCAA tournament for John Calipari? There's, there's other instances well, those are and different examples things. like that. So, so John Calipari, mm-hmm. um, the vacated games for him and many others mm-hmm. are not part of this. They're not part of name, image, and likeness. There, there were academic concerns there. There was sure. under there was paying players, right. which is different mm-hmm. from name, image, and likeness. So that rule hasn't necessarily been changed yet. I think it will be, but I don't think that rule has been changed yet. So you're saying that things within this this umbrella, the name, image, and likeness umbrella, we need to consider retroactively changing penalties and such in the past because they're no longer um, p- uh, penalties now. I don't know that for- we need to do that. No, I didn't say I agreed with it. Mm. I, I, I asked you your opinion. Mm-hmm. I didn't say I would do it. I need to think about it. Mm-hmm. Like most things, there's I can hear a pretty good argument on either side. So generally speaking, my reaction to this is that it is outstanding news. There is one, however, enormous concern that I think should be raised, and I will do that in just one moment, and we will also point out why July 1st is a very special day for one very important former baseball player and in concert with that for us all. We'll do that in a moment. I'm Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer is changing the way you buy home insurance. Now you can go online, get a custom quote, and save both time and money. Learn more at Progressive.com. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is Greeny coming to you live as always from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. I will express my one concern about this big change in college sports as we continue. Plus, it is a day to celebrate one very famous former baseball player and in concert with that, a celebration for us all. That's in 30 seconds. After this word from Bank of America, it's baseball season. You're ready to go all out. So you ordered the essentials to make game day a success, like a jersey, a power recliner, and a bigger screen. And you used your Bank of America customized cash rewards credit card, choosing to earn 3% cash back on online shopping. Rewards you put toward an essential piece of that celebration, an air horn. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2021, Bank of America Corporation. The Scoop. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. That is the scoop. Today, July 1st, is the day that every single year the New York Mets, based upon one of the craziest buyouts and craziest contractual clauses in the history of sports, have to pay Bobby Bonilla the sum total of about $1.2 million as they agreed back in 2000 to buy out the remaining $6 million on his contract. So instead of paying Bonilla, I want to make sure everyone understands when we say happy Bobby Bonilla Day, this is what we mean. In 2000, the Mets could have given Bobby Bonilla $5.9 million and been done with it. 
Instead, they agreed to make annual payments of $1.2 million for 25 years, <laughs> starting on July 1st of 2011, including a negotiated 8% interest increase. Parenthetically, at the time, Mets ownership was involved with a Bernie Madoff account that promised a double-digit interest rate over the course of the deal, and the Mets were poised to make a significant profit. We all know how that went. So I charged Hembo with finding some interesting facts about Bobby Bonilla Day. And of them, I think this might be my favorite. Uh, At the time that they agreed on this clause, on this deal, the population of planet Earth was 6.1 billion people. The world's projected population in 2035 is basically 9 million people. So from the Bonilla contract buyout agreement to fulfillment, the world will have 3 billion more people than it had. That will be an increase of 50%. There will be 50% more freaking people in the world when when they finally stop paying them off than there were when they made the deal. That's an incredible stat. Among baseball's 30 active ballparks, 16 of them have opened since 2000, meaning the agreement to Benia's buyout has already outlasted more than half of baseball's stadiums. (laughs) The best hitter in baseball this year is Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's making $605,000, about half of what Bonilla is earning at the age of 58, and will until he's 72. 72. <laughs> He'll be getting paid until he's 72 years old. Here are other things that are being projected to happen between now and the year 2035. New train technology that will travel three times faster than airplanes. <laughs> would you go on that train? Nuno, would you go on a train that goes three times faster than an airplane? No, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here's another one. Humans will be able to upgrade their senses with implants that detect more signals like radio waves, x-rays, etc. Essentially, the Mets could have given this guy $6 million and called it a day. Instead, they're going to be paying him until he's 72 at a time when human beings will be able to perform their own x-rays without equipment and trains will be going 1,000 miles an hour. That is what they decided to do. That is the true meaning of Bobby Bonilla Day. You know, in the way that we have the true meaning of Christmas and the true meaning of Festivus. And, you know, we got a big holiday coming up in a few days, right? July 4th, Independence Day. We, we got the true meaning of Bobby Bonilla Day, which I think deserves to be commemorated every single year in this manner. Bubba, actually, I think, if, if memory serves, Greeny, Bubba was a part of the group that was encouraging the Madoffs not to do this deal. Do I have that right? Yes. Uh, it's a shame that Bubba isn't here because yeah. Bubba, Bubba was a financial advisor at that time <laughs> to the Mets and actually might have been the first person to first detect corruption in the Madoff organization. He doesn't like to talk about it. Is, is Bubba off today in solidarity? No. Bubba's <laughs> off because it's TWT. You missed this on Monday. <laughs> Bubba is off because he had... So you and Bubba, here's a great example mm. of, of two of my favorite people. Mm. Hashtag Bubba, hashtag Hembo. So you each had three days off this week. It's that time of year. People are taking their vacations. I want my staff to take your vacations, enjoy your time off, rest up, charge the batteries, big fall ahead, all of that. (laughs) So you took three days off. And like a human being, you took off Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday so that you and your wife Lizzie could go to the beach. You could cover yourselves in sand, whatever I may think of that. You had a nice little five days off. Yeah, because Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are attached to the weekend. Correct. Mm. 
I don't know that that needed to be said out loud. I think most people know that. Right. I think I think that was probably that that you could have left that unsaid. Agreed. We all understood why it was five consecutive yeah. days. But thank you for clarifying even further for those among us who weren't paying close attention. Mm. That said, Bubba took off Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. <laughs> and we we had a lengthy discussion yeah. about this on Monday. And it was actually Jeff Passan who kind of arrived at the genius of it. If you're not going to travel, now if you're going to travel on your time off, then obviously you want as many consecutive off days as you can get. But if you're not going anywhere, then maybe Bubba's way is the best. And here's, let me, let me make my case. If what you're really looking for are just delightful days, let's just call a good day a delightful day. A vacation day has a chance to be delightful. Well, there's no more delightful work day than Friday, right? Everyone feels different Mm. on Friday. Mm -hmm. Everyone looks forward to a Friday. So in this scenario, Bubba has off a Saturday and a Sunday, then a Monday that will feel like a Friday because he has three days off after it. Then he'll be off Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Then a Friday that'll feel like a Friday because it's actually a Friday. And then a Saturday and a Sunday. So maybe the genius of Bubba, and this is why I'm always telling you, he's so accomplished in his life. He's done so much more than people realize that only he could see this far ahead. He looks at things and sees them differently than the rest of us. He realized by taking off the TWT, what he actually gives himself is nine consecutive delightful days. It's genius. Isn't it? In its own way, it's genius. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after, after it's time. time. The genius, you said? Your genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. In this case, I, I bestow the mantle of genius upon Bubba. It's brilliant. Okay, let me get back to what we were talking about before. Um, this name, image, and likeness thing. So, again, from now on, from starting today, I, I, officially beginning on this Bobby Bonilla day, <laughs> um, <laughs> collegiate athletes, of which, Hembo, you were one, right? I and was. This, I played, this, how did this happen? I played Division Two baseball. And, and at one, you were in school. Mm-hmm. How aware were you of all of these rules? E- extremely. Um, my school transitioned, actually, from the NAIA to NCAA Division Two while I was there, and I sat through countless meetings uh, with compliance people because you had to be keenly aware of all these things. And I was a division two athlete. I was never any good. I'm not playing professional sports, but even me at that level had to be keenly aware of what the NCAA's rules were. And thus we're sort of walking on eggs. Give me an example of something it, it prohibited you from doing. Well, a good example that you used in the previous segment was merely being able to work at a camp and promote the fact that you're a college athlete like that's that's a big part of it too. Uh, the, you mentioned the idea of not being able to buy an omelet for the student uh, athlete that visited um, ESPN when you were on Mike and Mike. Same deal with that. So it's it's almost anything that you just have to ask for permission for. It's not so much that it's extremely restricting for someone who's never going to play professional sports, but there are so many people across the country just like me who don't want to have to ask. Ev- like if if my parents can take me out to get a you know, a pizza when they came to visit me in school. But that's literally the world that we were living in up until two days ago. They could take you out, but could they take your friends? They could not. So when your parents, a Division II baseball Mm -hmm. player, Mm -hmm. when your parents came to visit you at school, they could not take you to dinner with your friends. That was an impermissible benefit. See, that that is why this thing always made me so mad. And that's why I celebrate this today, because that's so stupid. It's ridiculous. And it is depriving... Like, one of the great joys, when I go visit, my, when I was a collegiate student, my parents would come and visit, and we would take my friends out for dinner, or I would go with my new friends and meet their families. Like, that's one of the great pleasures. And now, as a parent, it's even better. 
Like when we went to see Nikki her freshman year, we got to take a bunch of her friends out for dinner. That's one of the best nights I can ever remember having in my life. There was so much fun you meet, seeing her in this new surroundings with all these new people. You can't do it because of rules that never made sense in the first place. So anyway, I'm a thousand percent in favor of this. There is one small concern that I have, and I wonder if you share this feeling. I, I mentioned this on the air once before, but so bear with me if you've already heard me say this. And that is that my two favorite football teams, let's use football because it's the most, it's the highest profile sport. My two favorite football teams in the world are the New York Jets and the Northwestern University Wildcats. Those are my two teams. And I am a fan of both. I live and die. I watch every minute of their games. I, I, I rejoice in their successes, and I suffer endlessly their defeats. But I suffer them differently, which is to say that when the Jets do things that don't make sense when they make when the they make a boneheaded play or a coach makes a bad decision or the the you know the, the some something bad happens on the field i get furious enraged i'm angry at them hence my entire broadcasting career <laughs> you've heard me yelling and screaming about all the things the jets have done and their coaches have done and everything else i have that that is my fandom of my nfl team my fandom of northwestern is completely different when things go badly, when a player makes a big mistake, when something happens that, that, that goes against them. I feel with them. I'm not angry at them. I feel sad for them. I, I'm, I am much more sympathetic and empathetic of what is going on. Part of that is because of their age. I'm around the campus enough, especially now with my kids there, but even so, we've been going back to games forever. And part of it is, is that I, I view these people as kids. I don't mean that in a pejorative term, but I know that sometimes it's not so popular. But when you get to be my age, you meet a bunch of 18-year-olds, they're kids. So I, I, I view them that way. But I think another big piece of it is that I know that they're not getting paid. I think the fact that they are not getting paid for this does influence the way I feel about it. And that's not to say that I think I am going to start rooting differently, that I will start watching Northwestern games and screaming and cursing at the television and tweeting horrible things like I do when the Jets play. But I think a lot of other people will. Now, there are probably many people who are listening to this conversation who already feel that way about their collegiate sports teams. I get it. I get it. You're a fan of doesn't matter who. Ohio State, Alabama, Ohio, Oklahoma, what, what doesn't matter what team. That if that's your team and, and, and the quarterback makes a mistake, maybe you are furious. Lord knows we see all the terrible Twitter stuff that players who make big mistakes in collegiate games get. But I would guess there is also a big group of people out there like me who have always felt differently about it, who have held the players to different standards, at least in some part, because they're not getting paid. And I do think that when these stories, because what's going to happen is these players are out there, they're doing their thing. Graham Mertz already has a trademarked logo. He's the quarterback of Wisconsin. And what did I read today? De'Ara King and some other players Mm -hmm. have already started things. And they're going to be opening a car dealership here. And they're going to have a TV commercial there. And they're going to have a shoe deal. Whatever it is they're going to get, they're going to have. And this is going to be big news. And there are going to be stories about it. 
And so you're going to be reading, this quarterback just got paid $50,000 to do this. This running back just got paid $10,000 to, to go here. This you know player just got paid all this money. However much money it's going to be, I don't know. But there will be big money attached to this in some cases. And then that player drops a touchdown or fumbles or throws a terrible interception. Is there any part of you that will look at that and say, It's different now that I know he's getting paid $50,000 this past weekend to open up the Chevy dealership. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think I'll feel that way. I really don't. I I won't know till it happens because your your emotions are your emotions. I'm a person who half the time I find myself in the middle of a game rooting for the team I didn't expect to be rooting for. Not not when it comes to the Jets or Northwestern, but, you know, up. Like uh, the other night, I I was rooting for Chris Paul to Mm -hmm. make it to the finals, and I'm watching Paul George, and suddenly I'm rooting for Paul George. Mm -hmm. You never know what your emotions are going to be when a game is going on. So I don't think my feelings for this are going to change. But I bet you a lot of people's do. And so I think that the nastiness um, quotient could get dialed up here. And that would be my one concern. And no way... Am I suggesting that that's a reason that this is not good news? In, in, in the totality of it, this is great news. I am firmly in favor of name, image, and likeness. But I do think the nastiness quotient does potentially get dialed up a little bit here, and I think that is something we need to be on the lookout for and needs to be monitored carefully by the schools, by the programs. I hope that the, the players have good support when it comes to that because I think the fans who are already, Lord knows, sometimes impossibly mm-hmm. nasty could get nastier. Do you agree? I, I do. It's a fascinating angle that I had not considered because I don't think that I'm going to be a person who changes his fandom based upon this. But how often in professional sports – do we use how much a player is earning against him when they don't perform? Every, Always. Every single day. Right. That's, that's, that's half of our job. So it, it's not obvious to me why, why it wouldn't be different if we know how much they're making and those sums of money are significant. Yeah. Nuno, what do you think? Oh, I think there are going to be horrible human beings out there that are waiting for the opportunity for a star player or, or someone to make a mistake and then get on Twitter or call a show and being like, see, this is what happens. He's focused on, you know, Big Jim's Chevrolet instead of focusing on catching the ball. That's right. That's right. That's really well said. Yeah. That, that's it's a really good point um, that, that people will suggest that their focus isn't what it was before. So I think we just need to be prepared for that. Again, those those are, to me, unintended consequences uh, secondary consequences of what otherwise I think is a day to celebrate. I think these kids are going to get some piece of what they have long since deserved. All right, we got Atlanta, Milwaukee tonight. We'll see if we get Giannis. We'll see if we get Trey Young one way or another for sure. I know we'll be back tomorrow talking about that and a whole lot more. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Stay out of the sand. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.